There's no question that Uber is transforming the taxi business. Will it do the same to freight transportation? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, managing editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is a Supply Chain Brain podcast. The idea of on-demand transportation that sidesteps traditional taxi service has disrupted, as they say, that venerable sector. Pick up your smartphone, bring up the app, and you're minutes away from a ride in somebody's private car without the attitude and baggage, so to speak, of the yellow cab. Now we're hearing that this revolution could spread to freight. Drivers from Uber, Lyft, and similar ride-sharing services could just as easily transport packages from the retailer to your door. Will they, in the process, undermine the old line carriers? My guest today is Scott Nelson, CEO of Trax Technologies. He's here to discuss the ways in which the Uber model can and cannot be applied to freight. You'll hear why you can't just Uberize anything and why freight transportation lacks the perfect information that makes this model work. But we'll also talk about the transformation that logistics is undergoing today and what's necessary to create a win-win environment for carriers and shippers alike. So here is my conversation with Scott Nelson. Scott Nelson, welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here, Bob. What are we talking about when we talk about the Uberization of logistics? Well, it depends on who you are and what your mental model is. I think a lot of people think about you know, kind of supply and demand, uh, ability to kind of access things as you need them and utilize them based on capacity. In a classic Uber model for transportation, you have a large group of people that seems to be changing constantly. They work when they want to work, and they come and they go, and they charge different prices depending on the time of day. And you can call them up when you need them, but there's no prediction as to when you're going to need them. It just seems like a very random, on-the-spot kind of demand situation. Hard to see how that can be in any way modeled to fit a commercial freight-carrying or logistics-oriented environment. So let's start. Just tell me, where do you see some overlap there, and how? what lessons can we learn from the Uber model and translate them into logistics? Well, if you don't mind, let's start with what Uber really is and did. It took an existing industry, which was you know the taxi industry and the radio car business, and it gave it a fresh way of connecting customers with providers that allowed people to bypass some regulatory controls frequently in different jurisdictions in a environment where people didn't really like what was going on. And so we, uh, you know, we have to be careful that we don't just paint the assumption that you can Uberize anything 
because there were some special things that made that work, uh, not the least of which is that a lot of people didn't really care for the industry. Now, in freight, um, there are some parallels, and there, there are parallels that already exist today. These parallels would be things like you know, the spot quote market. And uh, you know, are there new ways in which we can do that that are more automated? Yes, absolutely. But as you pointed out, one of the difficulties with an Uberized model is that it presupposes that there is perfect information about what you want to do and some level of certainty. When I'm trying to get a taxi, that's already an uncertain thing. And if I have an Uber app and it puts me at a location that's slightly off from where I know I'm physically at, I can actually make a changes. But if you're going to try to do that for any kind of large scale or volume of transportation, that's going to start breaking down pretty quickly. And also people don't have certainty about what's going on. And most businesses... Uh, would prefer to have certainty than a high degree of uncertainty, both in price and the ability for there actually to be somebody to actually move the freight. So there was a crying need out there that Uber stepped in to fill, as you say, dissatisfaction over an existing industry. Do you see a parallel dissatisfaction right now on the logistics side that would suggest the, a welcoming approach to some kind of new model? Um, not not to the degree that you saw it in, in the taxi industry. And that's why I don't think you're going to see the kind of rapid adoption of the, that kind of model in the, in the transportation industry. The place where it has the most applicability would be in kind of extending Uber itself, which would be having people actually move packages in last mile or pick up packages in last mile type situations. And in small business environments where people don't have buying power, have unpredictable needs, and therefore aren't going to have a lot of ability to plan in advance or wouldn't have any economic advantage for planning in advance uh, in contracting for reoccurring uh, transactions. So in those environments, this kind of model may make sense. But it may also be something that's more used by the transportation logistics companies themselves to tap into owner-operated kinds of uh, utilizations than it is for the business people who are actually the ones who need to move the freight uh, actually using it. Of course, a good part of the trucking industry has always been built on the concept of the owner-operator, but the capital capitalization required to actually own a truck and be an owner-operator makes it hard for that person to kind of come and go like, a, like an Uber driver might. So it, I'm not sure the parallel is really quite there. It's not. And I mean, this is where it really breaks down. And, and when you think about owner-operators of trucks, that's one thing. You're dealing with a $100,000, $200,000 asset. But, but think about a warehouse in a, in a major metropolitan city or a, a ship or an airplane. You know, now you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars of assets. And there what people need is certainty. They need to have a high degree of confidence before they make that kind of investment that they're going to have an ability to make a return. And if, if they don't care about that, the financiers who are going to finance the assets certainly do. And so there people are looking for long-term contracts, long-term relationships, things that are reoccurring as patterns that demonstrate you're going to be able to service the debt. In its most basic sense, logistics just involves taking something from point A to point B. And I, I'm wondering to what extent is logistics a commodity today and to what extent is it not? Well, this is a hot debate, but I'm on the logistics really isn't a commodity and doesn't really behave as a commodity side of that equation. The reason it's not really a commodity is that it doesn't have existence outside of capacity. 
So it's all about utilization of capacity in your vehicle, which is what people would say, well, that's what you want to Uberize for. But the the problem with that is that uh, that conflicts with the certainty somebody wants. And if I'm a business owner and I'm trying to satisfy the needs of my customers, I don't really want a flexible set of pricing uh, that's moving up and down based on demand. Uh, And if I'm not in a backhaul environment where all my shipping is going to be going in lanes that are routinely going to have excess capacity, then I I might not even be able to get equipment. And so that's not terribly interesting to me at all. If we go back to that owner-operator scenario that you raised earlier, if I'm an owner-operator, I really don't want to have my vehicle sit around empty. It's one thing about having a car that I'm using for my transportation that I'm trying to subsidize the payments for by driving as an Uber driver. It's quite something else when my entire livelihood and my investment in this very expensive and costly asset, my truck and trailer, aren't actually utilized. So I'd rather lock that up in some way where I have some long-term commitments that I know that I'm going to be able to service on a routine basis and then only use it to fill in. And so in that way, it doesn't really behave like a true commodity. Not to mention, to a large degree, most supply chains are predicated on the concept of regularity, that stuff's moving on a regular basis all the time, whereas a passenger looking for an Uber car may go be going one place one day and not the next. And, you know, it's rarely the sort of thing where there's a great deal of predictability. So there again, it's, it's hard to see how logistics could fit with such a concept of unpredictability. Well, and that unpredictability extends to service. You have specific time frames of the day where you need to get goods to your retailer because that's when they are open at the dock to receive it. And so there's lots of scheduling that occurs for these routine shipments that is really important. And you can't just have it happen just whenever because uh, unlike a street corner where maybe 20 of us can stand on the street corner or one of us can stand on a street corner, when you have a physical dock you have to actually come to, And it has three bays. You can only service three trucks at a time. I want to talk a little bit more about you brought up the idea of knowledge, the necessity for so-called perfect knowledge. This obviously is, is an advantage in terms of if you do have an app on your phone and you can look and you can see where all the Uber cars are. I guess from the standpoint of a passenger, that translates into perfect knowledge. But that's a lot more difficult to achieve in the logistics end, is it not? And, and, and how well are logistics providers doing in that area today anyway? I mean, you hit the nail on the head. This is, I think, the Achilles heel to this idea that we're going to have automated systems actually making buying and selling decisions in logistics. In an Uber app, I'm still in control. I, I try to get a car and oh, it's going to take 15 minutes. I'll take the taxi instead. The driver says they're three minutes away, and 15 minutes later, I'm still waiting for them to show up. It says that I'm at this particular address based on the GPS on my phone, but where I'm physically at is this other location. As a human, I am constantly evaluating the feedback I'm getting from my Uber app and changing my decisions and inputs based on that in order to perfect information that isn't accurate or to adjust my behavior based on the reality that's occurring. Logistics is full of a really significant amount of events that can change reality. I mean, plan to reality can be very different. So I may plan to do something and then what really happens is something very different and I have to be able to react to that. If I don't have absolutely perfect signaling that I entirely trust, then I can't do that. 
course, you do have. I mean, you you know because this is the business you're in, the business of of, of systems, IT systems that support and provide that kind of knowledge and provide that kind of link between buyer and seller. But it just seems so much more sophisticated what you provide on the logistics side to what I have when I'm looking at an app to see where my Uber car is. That's absolutely true, Bob. In a logistics environment, there are a lot more variables and the data is typically low quality. Because we haven't used the data to really make automated decisions, uh, people aren't really vested in the data being that good. They're exchanging the data back and forth to the degree they need to. But in many cases, the information going to a transportation company is coming from an ERP system that's in another country from where the actual start of the transportation transaction occurs and is going to the ERP system of a logistics service provider that's in another uh, country than where the shipment's being delivered. And all of this is happening entirely disconnected from the actual physical piece of equipment or box or product that's moving. There are always deltas between that information about what we think is going to happen. I thought it was going to be five pallets, but it was only three because couple had had water damage in the warehouse and the typhoon that just came through last weekend, and so we couldn't ship those. Um, I thought it was going to get uh, shipped on Wednesday. It really didn't get shipped till Thursday because the driver's vehicle broke down when he came to pick it up. So there's all these kinds of feedbacks that are not going to be able to update the electronic information because as we care more and more about cybersecurity, we're raising greater and greater barriers for taking information into our firewalls. So we're not allowing people to adjust it. And unlike Uber, it, we don't have a person who's basically responding to all these signals in real time. Also, I think that the extent to which there is any overlap at all between the passenger Uber and the log logistics area would probably have to still involve a car, would it not? I mean, an airplane, a warehouse, and a ship are quite different from that and, and probably don't lend themselves to that model. Would that be your observation as well? Yes, that would be my observation as well. You might be a truck, like a Toyota truck or something that uh, people throw boxes in the back. Trikes in Vietnam delivering refrigerators or tires might work for that. I could really see it working well in the kind of last mile delivery, particularly in underdeveloped uh, countries where there isn't a lot of capacity and there is a tremendous amount of poverty where you could engage a large pool of relatively low value assets to entice them into the last mile portion of the logistics chain. So we spent a good deal of time here talking about why Uberization would not work for log logistics, but let's explore some areas where it might, if not in the classic Uber model, some aspect of disintermediation where some middle party is being cut out for more efficiency, for better collaboration, for more direct service. Where could this actually work? Well, there's no doubt that there are advantages to having spot quoting systems that are built on kind of an app model systems for dealing with the owner-operator who's got a, a deadhead or a backhaul that they need to fill up. Those kinds of things make perfect sense for people to be able to post. I have capacity. Does anyone out there have demand? They exist today. So these aren't something that is going to be created, just like the taxi industry exists today. Those things exist today. And there are definitely ways we can make those things operate better. But those things are examples of logistics where people are making kind of one-off decisions that have an immediate need and are looking for uh, something to deal with that 
in a human-controlled information loop that would suit itself to an application. That's very different than running your supply chain through an Uberized model. I just don't see that as being very realistic. But as you point out, the spot market is a crucial part of transportation, and maybe even more in recent years when trucks have become more aware of the possibilities for eliminating deadhead miles for empty backhauls and the like. So it does play a role in terms of very short-term requirements being fulfilled easily. It does. And the ability to make that simpler, better, faster, more accessible to a large number of people, make it accessible to small businesses, not just the LSPs and and larger companies. Uh, those are the places where this kind of thing makes sense and where I think you'll see it. I also think you'll see it overseas in uh, underdeveloped uh, country environments. In that kind of environment, you have no good existing infrastructure to do this. And so there isn't an easy way for people to let people know that, look, it, I've got a trike and I'd sure like to take something somewhere and somebody has a load of bricks and so let me let me come by and grab those and 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 take them on my trike down the down the street a couple miles and drop them off at the construction site. That kind of thing could really help a lot in that kind of last mile delivery environment. You pointed out early in our conversation that the original one of the things that Uber did originally was kind of get around a, a highly regulated market. But certainly logistics is a highly regulated market. It seems difficult to understand how that would there there wouldn't be any any possibility of getting around regulations even with disintermediation would there i mean i just don't see that there's any change or any ability to to uh, to get around yeah that. so the, the the type of regulations different in the taxi market the regulations were really designed to be protectionist they allowed somebody to pay a license in order to have a franchise of providing taxi service in exchange for playing by certain rules and in transportation logistics that's not that's not so true anymore in a deregulated environment. The kinds of regulation there are more about safety, making sure that you have proper labeling, dealing with governmental control around materials uh, for import or export, duties, taxation, that kind of thing. And that stuff's unlikely to go away. That's not going to be destroyed or, or disintermediated by having some kind of Uberized model of logistics. What do you think is the biggest transformation that logistics is actually facing now and in the years to come? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because I think it is in the mindset of how people work together between the buyers and sellers in logistics. Uh, for a while, that industry has had a win-lose mentality and uh, where the buyers, particularly the larger buyers, are always trying to win over the suppliers and it has that kind of classic old purchasing model. But if you really understand logistics and what drives it, what you really want to do is create a win-win model where you are allowing companies to come in and actually advise you as a buyer on how to leverage their networks in order to get your supply chain costs down. Now, by the way that can happen is that they have personnel, technology, and unutilized assets. And so if they can better utilize those assets, utilize more of their personnel, and leverage their technology, they can actually give you pricing that you can't get in a competitive bidding environment in exchange for only taking the part of your business that they really want. And this is something that is not well understood. This is another place where logistics doesn't behave like a commodity. Gold is the same everywhere. 
if it's got the same percentage of quality. But logistics isn't the same everywhere. It's the same only in the degree that it has the same unutilized capacity. Then pricing is the same. But if it has different utilization, then pricing isn't the same, nor are the economics. And so that's what makes it different. And so models that perceive this and actually create a win-win in a logistics performance feedback loop are, I think, what's going to win. It seems that in the past, attempts by logistics providers to do that, especially 3PL and, or logistics service providers, often is translated in the mind of the buyer or the shipper as simply an opportunity for that service provider to upsell them to lock them in as a customer, to give them all kinds of services that they may or may not need based on their so-called expert evaluation of that shipper's business. What you're talking about here is something quite different. But have we reached that point where there's enough of a level of trust so it's not just a marketing term that you're using when you say logistics performance management or however you want or win-win, but it really translates into something that is truly of benefit to both sides? Are we there yet? So uh, in general, the market isn't there, and it's not there for the exact reasons that you stated. There's been a lot of shenanigans. There's been a lot of marketing spin. There's been a lot of people that have sold things that weren't really valuable. So what's needed are two things that have been missing. First is transparency, and second is we need to know what it actually costs to serve. Because the right measure and the right way to contract is not for a set of services, but for a lower cost for my widget to get to that customer. So it doesn't matter how it moves, doesn't matter what happens, doesn't matter where it's stored, doesn't matter anything except what is the financial cost at the end of the day for everything, for my product to get to that customer. If you contract that way, then it doesn't matter how much money the, the customer is saving and it doesn't matter how much the, the provider is making in terms of profits. It matters basically what is happening to a particular sale and a product on that sale to that customer. And then for that to be something you can do, you have to be able to have transparency about that information between the buyer and the seller. If you don't have a common view of that reality, then you can't have an agreed upon benchmark for what the cost is. Those are the two things that are needed. Technology is going to enable that kind of thing, and that's the kind of thing that we as an organization are doing. So here we get back to the theme of perfect knowledge, number one, and access to it by all parties, number two. That really is that, the key. That is the key. That is the key. And that's yeah. going to be more of a effect on this market than the application of an Uber model to this market because it is – true to what the issues are in the market. Uber worked in the taxi business and in the radio car business because it was solving real issues in those businesses in ways that made them more efficient and got rid of customer dissatisfaction. If you don't do the same thing in logistics and actually look at what are the real problems on both the buy and the sell side, which is what Uber solved. They solved both the buy and the sell side. They're creating a win-win environment for both parties. If you don't do that, it's not sustainable. It isn't going to work in the long run, and it isn't going to bring the kind of benefit to the market that's going to make it something that becomes adopted widely. Can't wait to see it, <laughs> but uh, we will see. But uh, Scott Nelson, I want to thank you so much for giving us this vision of the future of logistics in a way that, uh, in, in its own way, 
is looking for some unique solutions to some age-old challenges. But uh, thanks, Scott, for being with us. Really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. That was my conversation with Scott Nelson of Trax Technologies, talking about the Uberization of logistics. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.